verse 17. He's like, brothers, you acted in ignorance. And I, I'm, we're going to stay there for a good while. Um, we might even just hop straight into the message right now from that. But I love that you pointed that out. He says they acted ignorantly. But it was foretold. So they knew it, but they were ignorant. Ignorant of what? And that's what we're going to see tonight. You ever heard the phrase, ignorance is bliss? Well, what I'm here to tell you tonight, according to the Bible, ignorance is not bliss. It's so not bliss. You ever have, uh, you ever send a text or have a text sent to you and then the person you sent it to misread it or misinterpreted it? That's not really what you meant to say, but they read it as, no, this is what you meant to say. Yeah, 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 all of you guys are reacting. So we all know that, right? It's not good to be misunderstood, yeah? Especially when it's your text message that you're sending, right? You don't like that. What happens if you misinterpret or misunderstand or misread a text? You'll mistreat the person who wrote it. The Bible is the most important text message in the history of the universe. And, and why I think th this is such an urgent text that I want us to look at tonight is because to misread the Bible is deadly, super deadly, so deadly that even if you're ignorant of it, Peter says you got to repent because you're in sin. Misreading the Bible is deadly. That's the big thing I want us to hear tonight. Mis ignorance is not bliss. And when you and I misread our Bibles, for them, they misread it and they crucified Christ. We must not think that we are not susceptible to that. To misread the Bible is so deadly. If we cannot connect the dots, so what we're going to look at tonight from 17 to 26 is Peter's going to tell them, you misread it, guys. You never read your Bible right. You read it wrong. That's why you killed him. And then we're going to see, Peter, what he's trying to do. And when you go back to chapter 2 and verse 42, so much of the work of the apostles was doing Bible study in such a way that it helps them connect the dots. You guys, you guys art, artist people, you know how you have those arts that have the connect the dots? You ever did that? It's been since like elementary for me. But you know when you first get the page, all you see is what? Dots. You, you, you got no image, no information. What, hap what do you need to do to see something? You got to connect it. And you got to connect it the right way. And until you connect and string all the dots properly, you don't have a clear picture. This is how you, are, you and I need to read the Bible. Peter's going to connect the dots for them to Christ. Scholars or theologians will say this is biblical theology. The Bible is one book written by one author. It's got one major storyline and one main big character, and his name is Jesus. So if you don't know that, if you've been reading your Bible and you didn't realize that it all points back to Jesus, you've been misreading your Bible. This is a huge warning. Why is this such a big deal? Why am I so hyped up and passionate about this? Because if you misread, if we misread the Bible, then we misinterpret it. If we misinterpret it, we misapply it. If we misapply it, we have a false gospel. You have a false gospel, you got false converts. You got false converts, you got false churches. But they all think they're going to heaven. And then at the end of days, you and I, or whoever is misreading this, will have the rudest awakening. And Jesus says in Matthew 7, Many will say on that day, Lord, Lord. Remember a few weeks ago, we talked about this. Can you imagine if you've been calling upon Jesus, you had the right contact name, but the wrong number? 
We don't want to have that rude awakening. So we're going to carefully, and I'm going to hammer at the point that it, ignorance is not bliss. I have a mission tonight. This is my main mission. I am praying so hard for those of you here and those of you listening that after looking at these passages in 17 to 26, it would fan so much in your heart a fervent, ferocious fire to read and binge on the Bible and study it in such a way that you don't miss it. You don't miss the big picture. You don't miss Christ. The Bible, the scriptures, they're like, it's like a roadmap that leads you. Each text, it leads you back to Jesus Christ. That's the message you have to hear. That's the message that saves. That's why some of you who have been journeying with Jesus for some time, or you've been reading your Bible, you ever wonder sometimes you read your Bible and you leave dead, or you feel you leave bored, or you feel like you leave lifeless? Yeah, it's because you didn't get to Christ. We're going to look at this slowly and surely tonight. We're going to look at things like in John, when Jesus tells the Pharisees, yeah, you read the Bible, but you never got to me. You couldn't connect the dots and make it to me. We're going to look in Luke 24. There was two disciples. They saw the events of the crucifixion, but they couldn't connect the dots, and how it, went to, it brought them to Jesus. Guys, if we don't connect the dots, we're going to miss it. And if we miss it, when this life is done, it's done. I am praying that God would put in your heart such a desire to know sound doctrine. It's not enough just to read your Bible every day. You got to read it right. That's a big question I hope and pray would haunt you this evening as we Bible study. Lord, have I been reading this wrong? Have I been learning it wrong? You know, one thing I love before we blast through the text about Peter, this is his second sermon in Acts 2. If you really read his messages, like Acts chapter, when he preached at Pentecost, Uncle Pete shot it straight. Huh? He never sugarcoat his messages. Peter was not preaching. The apostles were not doing Bible study to get likes, to get followers, to be admired. The gospel is not popular to the spirit of the world. It's not popular today. If you're reading the right gospel. I mean, look at the, like, this is what Pastor Johnny, them co uh, Johnny covered, right? Verse 15, you killed the author of life. You delivered him. You denied him. I love that these apostles don't compromise this message. They don't sugarcoat it. And I don't want us as a church to sugarcoat it. Because it's a good message. We have to read it right. So we're going to look at three things tonight. Ignorance is not bliss. Misreading your Bible is deadly. And then we're going to see that we need to, oh, and that true bliss and refreshment comes from the presence of the Lord. Brother Kaleb pointed that out. So ignorance isn't bliss. you got to read your Bible right. True bliss and refreshment comes from really connecting to Christ, is in Christ. And the last thing is Peter connects the dots to Christ and he calls them to repent. And that's my prayer every for, for us tonight. If you've yet to connect the dots, every time you enter into a Bible study, every time you're reading it on your own, or you're here at church, at a Bible study, in a small group, you're always, it's not just, oh, we read a verse. It was cool. We memorized a verse. No. How does this take me to Christ? And until you get there, there's no life. There's no life. So let's do it. Let's pick it up at verse 17. 
why this is so important, not just for the pastors to know, but for all of us in the house who are a part of this church to know, is if you can, under, if you can read your Bible right and have a, and, and I'm not saying you have to memorize the whole Bible. You don't have to memorize the whole thing. You just have to know the main point, really, and how it all flows. If you get that right, if you get a solid biblical theology, theology, theos, God, ology, the study of God that is from the Bible, that's what it means. If you get that, then as a church family, all of us as members, we can now read the Bible right, hear it preached and taught right, and you can hold the preacher accountable. So that if me or the kid after me comes up and starts preaching it, and he might be super charismatic and super funny or whatever, but he's taking a verse and he's going off the deep end, and he's not making a, he's not making, bringing us to Jesus, we as a church can say, bro, whoa, what are you talking about? Guys, I don't want us to be ignorant. I don't want you and I to be afraid of the Old Testament. You know, it's been so fun in these past, this past few weeks, like as I've been reconnecting with people, is there's been a real excitement and enthusiasm for you guys to read your Bibles on your own. Like people are t- texting me, saying, oh, can you bring me to get a study Bible? Or do you have any good reference verses? And that, uh, or resources. And that's really cool and exciting that you guys are growing in your appetite to want to know the Bible or read the Bible. But you want to grow in an appetite to read the Bible right, correctly. If our church gets this, if we get this, if you get this in the house, not just for your soul's sake, but for those around you, for the whole family, this will help guard the church from false gospels and false preaching and false application. Lord, help us as we walk through verses 17 to 26 right now. Give us an attentive ear. Stir our affections for you, Jesus, in a very real way. I thank you for every brother and sister present. And I pray that even if by now there is not a ferocious appetite for you, that you would graciously give it. Wake us up from our complacency, our apathy. And make reading the Bible super fun. The Bible is so bomb. It's so much better than Netflix. It's so much better than anything else in this world that has to offer. It's worthy of hours upon hours of reading and praying and searching and figuring out and asking questions and taking walks and wrestling with verses. If it gets us to Christ, it's worth it. So do it right now in this place. I love these people and those who are here. And I care about their souls. So let the scripture now do what only the scripture do. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. All scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable. So help us now to be lovers of the word. Don't let us listen and study for mere intellect. We want to know Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 17, it says this. So he just healed the guy. All the crowds are coming. And Peter's like, all right, here's my opportunity. I'm going to preach it. He preaches it. He says, you know, this is Jesus. Jesus healed the man. Don't, don't look at us for any glory. And then he picks it up at verse 17. He's like, okay, brothers. So he's speaking to Jews. They're in Jerusalem. Most of these people are somewhat familiar with the Old Testament. Brothers. And then he says this, but I know you acted in ignorance. You know what ignorance is? What, what is ignorance, local people? 
I never know, guys. <laughs> you know? Oh, sorry, I never know, bro. Oh, I never even know I never had my mask, but I never know. That's ignorance. It's like, I never know. I thought I did, but he didn't. That's ignorance. It's a lack of knowledge. It's a blindedness. That's, that's what the word study says. It's just you're blind. You just flat out never know. Now, but look, it says this. Okay, bros, I know you acted ignorantly. I know you killed the author of life, but you, didn't, you did it blindly. That's why even Jesus said, as he prayed on the way to the cross, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Even Paul writes in Timothy that I was ignorant. Wait, Paul? Using Pharisee of Pharisee. I thought you knew the scriptures. Wait, brothers? Brothers? You acted ignorantly and, and also did your rulers, but look at verse 18. God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets. So this is not the, they, they, there was a word. All the prophets spoke up about this. He's talking about the Old Testament. He, God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Then he says in verse 19, they'll repent and turn. So he's saying, okay, you're ignorant. But they had the scriptures. So how are they ignorant? How they have an excuse here? What were they ignorant of? They were ignorant. And here's the big one. They were ignorant of being able to connect the dots to Christ. They didn't know. We're going to go to some verses. Let's go check this one out. Go to Luke chapter 24. And as you make your way there, I'm going to give you some verses and you write it down for time. We're not going to turn to every one of them. But I want you to know this. It's very possible. It's very possible. It's very, 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 very possible for you to read your Bible and totally miss it. To be ignorant. They were ignorant. So go to Luke 24. Make your way there. We're going to, we're going to read a nice chunk of the story. It's a fun story. Luke 24, probably the greatest Bible study in the world, um, in the history of time. Um, Luke 24, we're going to pick it up at verse 13, but write these verses down next to this point, that ignorance is not bliss. Luke 23, 34, that's when Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, so they're acting ignorantly. Isaiah, the prophet, in chapter 6, he says this, they keep on hearing, but they don't understand. They keep on seeing, but they don't perceive. That's Isaiah chapter 6. So he's speaking of Israel. He's like, they're going to keep hearing the scriptures. They go to, they go to synagogue every single week, and they, hear, they read the Bible, but they don't get it. And then they're going to see the miracles. They're going to see Christ, and they're not going to see anything. And then Romans 10, it says this, that it's possible to have zeal for God, but not based on knowledge. So you can be even passionate about the name of Jesus tonight, but totally be ignorant of who Jesus really is. Ignorance is spooky. I want ignorance to freak you out. Seriously, because if I'm Satan, oh, I would love for you to go and tell and wish everyone Merry Christmas and not have a clue who Christ is. Oh, I would love you to go ahead and decorate red and red and green everywhere and not really have the faintest clue that the blood of Christ, that red, gave green eternal life. Oh, yeah, I want you guys to go and decorate your homes and have your kids put gifts under the tree without the faintest clue that the tree points to the cross of Christ. And when he dripped and bled from seven places, that atoning blood flowed to the foot of the cross. And that is the great gift of eternal life. I want you to decorate, but don't celebrate. Don't get to Christ. If, that's, if I'm the enemy, that's what I want you to do. That's what I want to do to you. Merry Christmas. Know nothing, but think you know everything. Call yourself a Christian and go to church. 
just don't really know Christ. That's why Paul says in Timothy, he says, there's going to be times where churches, people, they're going to gather teachers, itch my ear, tell me what I want to hear. They're not going to put up with sound doctrine. They're not going to want to do the hard work like what we're doing tonight. Actually look at a verse. Come on, man, we got screens. We don't have time for Bibles. We don't have time to search it, look it, write it, read it. But we do here. So go to Luke 24. We're talking about ignorance is not bliss. And Peter said in his sermon, okay, you guys were ignorant, even though you had the scriptures, even though you read your Bible. This is how Jesus reads the Bible. Look at verse 24. So um, chapter, thir- uh, chapter 24, verse 13. So this is after Jesus rose from the grave. That very day, you guys there? That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus. Seven miles. How's that for a little walk? <laughs> Seven miles. Eat it up. Verse 14. They were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. Well, what had happened? Jesus died. He was buried. He rose. Verse 15, while they were walking and talking, discussing together, check it. It's so dope. Jesus drew near. Isn't that cool? They're talking about Jesus, and Jesus, oh, I'm going to walk with these guys. Seven miles, let's do it. Verse 16, this is huge. Their eyes were kept from recognizing. They were blind. They were ignorant. Ignorance is not bliss, but at this point, they saw stuff. They don't know what they saw. Verse 17, he said to them, hey, what's this conversation you holding with each other while you walk? That's exactly how Jesus said them, okay, just like that. Hey, what's this conversation? No, no, okay, that's how Jesus said it. And then he says, they stood still and they looked sad. One of them, named Cleopas, answered him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? Who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? See, Jesus, such a character, huh? What are you talking about? Oh, what, what things? They said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who is a prophet, mighty indeed, word before God and all the people, how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. 21, we'd hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. And then they said, check it out. Moreover, some of the women in our company amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that he, they'd, seen him, they'd seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Okay, so someone told them, check this out. Some of the, some of the sisters, they went down, check them out, wasn't there, and then they, they're saying he's alive. So apparently that kind of gives us a hint as to, I don't know if they believe he's alive. I think they're doubting right now. It's like, just too crazy. Verse 24, some of those who are with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, Jesus speaks up, oh, foolish ones. I want you to hear that from your Lord. Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is foolishness. Slow of heart to believe. Look, all that the prophets have spoken. Who are the prophets? That's the Old Testament. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Sound familiar? That's Peter's line in his sermon. Christ needed to suffer. Verse 27, and beginning with Moses, the Pentateuch. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible and all the prophets. Look at this. Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning, say it, 
himself. This is that epic big aha moment. You ever, you guys like mystery movies? You know, you watch a mystery movie and at the very end, they just bring it all together and you're sitting there like, and then you're like, I knew it. I didn't know it. You know, and then at the end, you're just like, boom. And you get up and you're like, oh my gosh. That's the moment. He's like, from, from Abraham all the way, from Exodus, all the prophets, the whole, history, the whole family history of the Jews, everything, all of this, all the Psalms, the prophets, everything. He's interpreting to him, it's, it's about me. Jesus and the apostles read the Bible like this. All the scriptures had to do with Jesus. Do you read the Bible like that? Or do you and I read the Bible, we, we come across a story like David and Goliath, and you're David, and Goliath is your lust. And you got to just be man up and kill that thing. Do you read your Bible and all it is is a bunch of moralistic points for you to figure out and homework that you got to go do to get right with God? That's wrong. All the scriptures point and bring us to Christ. It's all concerning him. Verse 28. This is so cool in the story. Look, it says they drew near to the village to which they were going. Okay, even though Jesus broke it down, they didn't really get it yet. They didn't connect the dots yet. Look, he acted as if he's going farther. That's, that's so funny, huh? Jesus acted like he's, all right, well, that was fun. I'll check you boys later. Why does he do that? I don't know. Yeah, that's it's just fun to ponder about. Maybe this is what he was trying to provoke and see grow in them. They urged him strongly, can you stay with us? Stay with us more. This is getting up. I don't really fully get it. You ever been there in your Bible? You're reading your Bible and things are clicking. Like you've never seen them click before, but you're not quite there. And you're just like, you didn't realize it, but 30, 45 minutes went by. And then you don't realize it, but two hours went by. And you're like me, a local guy who hates reading. You're like, I can't believe I've been reading for five hours. What is going on? That, I think this is the heart that's coming out of them. Just stay with us. It's toward evening. Stay with us. For it's toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went to stay with them, verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, broke it, gave it to them. Verse 31 is huge. Their eyes were what? Opened. And they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, read this carefully, guys. They said to each other, did not our hearts, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those who were with gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and he's appeared to Simon. They get it. They connected all the dots by the help of Christ and the Holy Spirit. He opened their eyes. There's fire within them. The prophet Jeremiah says this of the word of God. Your word is in my heart like a fire. I can't hold it in. You know that fire? It's not emotionalism. It's a real crazy realization that Jesus is alive and he's real and he really wrote the scriptures and he really came and lived and died. Put your faith in him. This book is a living book. I read the Bible. I want to know the author. I don't want to just sound smart and know a bunch of Greek and Hebrew words. 
forget that. This has got to be real. I'm here at church tonight to worship the living Savior. And I study, we study the Bible together because we want to come to him. You see what Jesus did for them on that Bible study, on that road to Emmaus. He helped, he worked hard with them to teach them the scriptures that it all comes to Christ. God have mercy on our generation. Because we don't like doing that. It's worth it though. Verse 35, they told what was happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Go to this next verse. Go to John. Next book over. You see, we're at the end of Luke. Go to John. Go to chapter 5. Go to chapter 5. We're going to pick it up. Verse 39. So the disciples on the road to Emmaus, they saw the events. They saw the the full-on physical crucifixion. They saw it. They saw the empty tomb. But they still couldn't connect the dots until Jesus showed up, the Bible study. And then they got it. And their hearts burned. John chapter 5, verse 39, it says this. He's speaking to the Pharisees. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It's they that bear witness about me. You study your Bible, but you can't connect the dots that it's about me. Verse 40. You refuse to come to me that you may have life. Guys, it's deadly to not be able to connect the dots to Christ. If you can't see that this is about Christ, you cannot have life. That's why Satan loves churches that don't do Bible study. I think Satan enjoys churches that do do Bible study, but the pastor doesn't connect the dots to how it goes to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the only one who saves. So when you show up at church on Sunday, whether it's Pastor Bob or me or whoever, and you hear the word of God being preached, you, Christian, you're waiting for one person, one message. You want Jesus. You want to know he's alive. You want to know that he's your only righteousness. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through him. And we live in a time, and it's been through the ages, that people will use the scriptures, but they won't get to the main point. They will make the main point a moralistic point, like how to be more, self, how to be more selfless, how to be a better servant, how to be a, a more generous person. And then you leave, and you feel just a little kind of like encouragement. There's like a little vitamin. No, we need to learn how to read the Bible like a full-course meal. You want to be ignorant? You want to stay in the dark? I don't. I love the Bible. I love that our Lord speaks. He's not silent. He doesn't leave you and I in the dark groping and figuring out how does, this, how does life make sense here? How do we get through this? No, he speaks and he's clear and these apostles are preaching it clearly. They take him to Christ. Jesus, he's working hard with these two disciples. I'm going to break it down from Moses to the prophets. It's all about me. And he tells the Pharisees, you studied that thing cover to cover, but you failed to come to me. This is so important. Ignorance is not bliss. Here's another verse, Matthew 24, verse 11 to 14. 
I want you to be awakened to the reality of the war that is going on in this room, in your life, every single day. And it's a war for your soul. And it's a war that is, there's a fight of God's word being heard and understood or you remaining in the dark. It's a real battle. It's a real war. It's happening even right now. Matthew 24, verse 11 to 14 says this, many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Choke people. Not going to know how to connect the dots. They're not going to know how to read the Bible. They're going to read it wrong. Verse 12, because lawlessness will be increased. You know what lawlessness, if you do the word study, it's ignorance. Less of the law, less of the word. You're going to know one, two verses. That's it. Jeremiah 29, 11. But you don't even realize that it has to do with Jesus. Not your health, wealth, and prosperity. People tattoo it on their bodies. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me, bro. Yeah. They get all ripped and tattoo it on them. But Satan loves it. Tat it up, bro. Just don't really know what that means. Don't really know that your contentment is in Christ. It says this in verse 12, lawlessness will increase. The love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. How are you going to endure to the end? You're not ignorant. You know what? Verse 14, this gospel. You see that? This gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed through the whole world as is the testimony of all nations and then the end will come. Guys, are you ignorant this evening? Are you misreading? Are you missing out? Those of you who've been walking with the Lord for some years, don't be afraid of that Old Testament. Don't be afraid of Leviticus, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Job, <laughs> please not Job. I don't like read Job for devotions. Don't be scared of it. It all brings you to Christ. It all brings you to Christ. You just, you, you, you get there and then you just got to ask the Holy Spirit. Okay, GPS, let's go. You know, C.H. Spurgeon, he says this. I take my text and I beeline it to the cross. I love that. Spurgeon says, when I preach, I take my text and I race to the cross of Christ. Let's go to Luke chapter 8. I want you to see the warfare that's going on that's really real and that's trying to keep you and I and our, our loved ones. I want you to think of your family members. I want you to think of your friends. I want you to even think of your friends who come with you to church because there's a war right now and Satan does not want the lights to turn on. He doesn't want the dots to connect. He doesn't want this thing to start clicking. He wants you to go back home, go binge on your Netflix thingy for another five hours. Do anything but read your Bible. Oh, okay, you're going to read your Bible? You read your Bible, just don't read it right. Read it, feel religious, feel like you're, you're some, something, like you're getting better. Just don't get to Jesus. That's Satan. Look at this. Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 4, says this. A great crowd was gathered. People from town after town came to him and said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. He sowed. Some fell along a path, was trampled underfoot. 
The birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock as it grew up. It withered away because it had no moisture. Some fell on thorns. Thorns grew up with it, choked it. Some fell into good soil, grew, yielded a hundredfold. And he said these things. He called out, he who has ears, let him hear. So he preached that and he said, okay, if you get it, you get it. Shoot. And then the boys in verse 9, disciples asked him, I don't get it. <laughs> oh, Jesus, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, talked about the birds and the soil and stuff like that. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay, that's, I like that. I like Bible study with people like that. Oh, that was good. I heard you, but I never heard you, bro. <laughs> it's like, okay, okay. So Jesus says, verse 10, he said, to you, it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom. You can connect the dots. But for others, they're in parables. Seeing, they may not see. Hearing, they do not understand. Sound, sound familiar? Isaiah 6. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the what? The word of God. The ones along the path are those who've heard. Look at the warfare. The devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. What is the word? It's the word of Christ, not just Bible study. It's Bible study that brings you to Christ. That's what saves. Satan does not want you to be saved. He wants you to die and burn eternally. It's always been his agenda. I want you to think about your soul this evening. I want you to think about your family. Our friends who we've invited and they've come and they've heard Bible studies, but they have not yet really connected the dot. Their eyes weren't open. Their hearts did not burn. They haven't put their faith in Christ. They're not saved. The devil is doing this every time you walk through the door at a Bible study. He's wanting to make sure you don't let that seed get deep in your hearts and you be saved. And I would even go farther and say this. Because he's also trembling at the fact that you could have Christ in you. Because the gates of Hades will not prevail against the church. I can walk into a dark room and not be afraid. You know why? Because the devil's afraid of me. Not me, Chris, because of anything Chris is, but Christ in me. Not ignorant. I know my Redeemer lives. I know his name. And I know how I'm saved. I'm saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Not of any works that I've done. And I'm going home. This is not my home. I am saved. Are you saved? Has the seed taken root in your soul? Verse 13. The ones on the rock are those when they hear the word, they receive it with joy. You've been there. You know that. People who hear Bible study, they hear the gospel, they receive it with joy, but these have no root. They don't really connect the dots all the way. They don't keep connecting the dots. They believe for a while, time of testing, they fall. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked. Look at this. By the cares and riches and pleasures of life, their fruit does not mature. I'm sick of the excuse. I don't have time to read my Bible. No, what's really happening is the pleasures of this life and this world is choking it. That's why you and I don't have time to read our Bibles. You ever wonder why it's so hard to want to read and pray? There's a war. There's an enemy, a real enemy. 
Don't come to don't go to him. You're too busy. It's COVID. You gotta work. You need the money. If they're only gonna hire you if you say Sunday, then say it. Choke, choke, choke. The enemy will do anything to keep you from hearing the word of Christ. They believe for a little while, but they're not rooted. So they get choked out. Verse 15, as for the good soil, you can pause and pray right now for your heart. God, give me good soil. Oh, give me a good heart. If my heart's been filled with rocks, repent right now. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I keep making excuses to not come to you. As for the good soil, they are those who hearing the word. Now look what they do. They hold it fast with an honest and good heart. And they bear fruit with patience. Bible study is hard work. Prayer is hard work, but it's so worth it. The fruit of the Spirit is so worth it. We're going to see later in Peter's sermon, he's saying, because when you connect the dots to Christ and you get in the presence, times of refreshing. Oh, bliss. God, take us there. Let's go back to Acts. Are you okay with being ignorant? I should ask you this. Are you okay with being a nominal Christian? You're thinking, what's one nominal Christian? Just by name. Your Christianity is as thick as a sticker. That's how deep your Christianity is. It's just on tattoo or it's just on, it's just something you put on your media. Christian, you know, that's as deep as it goes. And if anyone were to even push your button and be like, Christian, how come you're doing Christian? Oh, because um, I go to church. Oh, what is church? Where do Christians go? You know, and that's as far as you can go. I don't know. Are you, are you seriously content with that? Come on. Don't remain ignorant. I told you I'm on a mission. I'm on a fan of flame. For young, old, educated, uneducated, no matter Get in the word of God and let the word of God take you to Christ. So it says, back in Acts, so he says, okay, I know you acted ignorance even though you heard the prophets. Verse 19, repent. Peter tells it like it is. It's a strong word, you know, because it assumes that she's wrong. Repent, therefore, turn back that your sin. Now, look at this. Your sins may be blotted out. Sins blotted out. Blotted to wipe away, to wipe out, to erase, to wash every single part. This is the atonement. Let me give you a verse. Colossians 2.14. It's the canceling of the record of debt that stood against you. The legal demands. It's set aside. Not hitting home yet. Psalm 51, verse 9. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out my Blot it. Blot it. Get rid of it. It's gone. If I were to walk to each person in the room tonight, and we were to take a snapshot of each soul and start throwing up all the sins of each soul on that screen right now, 
one at a time. Say, Kaleo, okay, Kaleo, you're up first. Boom, we shine a light. And every single one of them, explicitly, boom, 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 from the time he was born to, to, to now. You know how much shame and pain. I want you to think, imagine that. Imagine that. All your sins that you've ever committed, knowingly and unknowingly, that is keeping you under the wrath of God. That's, a, that's why you're going to die. Romans says the wages of sin is death. That's the reason. It's not just that that's how it is. Everyone get old and they mock you sometimes. No. Last week we had Trevor and Christy. They shared even about the miscarriage and whatnot, right? Trevor said, shared something so profound with me. He said, it sins even in the womb, man. In sin did my mother conceive me. Death even in the womb. Why does that happen? Sin. Now think about that. Blotted out. Erased. Taken away. Recently, I went walking with my dogs to the park, and we got a ticket. Went down to the state thingy or whatever, the capital, and they're like, oh, you're good. Go. And I, it's kind of like, oh, cool. I had to pay 50 bucks. Right on. Had to pay for parking, but it's good. When I was a teenager, and I was driving too fast, too furious, cop followed me, pulled me over, quoted me seven citations. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I never let go home. I was just I like, die already. I don't can pay that. And then, by the grace of God, I think God moved his bowels, and he had to go number two, and he ran away and said, I'm come back, look for you tomorrow. Right before he could write me the ticket, he just drove off. I, I, I think it was he had to use the bathroom because he went back to the car like this. You know, <laughs> but I want you to know, I was about to get cited seven citations, and then he said, it's all good. He left. The weight just, <gasps> guys, that pales, in, that pales in comparison to the, the wage of your sin in my sin. I want you to think about that. All your sins are blotted out. This is why Satan doesn't want you to connect the dots to get to Christ. Stay in your sin, sinner, and die. Never know the love of Christ. Never know refreshment. Okay, fine, read your Bible, but don't connect the dots. Think reading your Bible is about figuring out what you need to do to get right with God. How are you going to be better this year? 2021, 2.0, let's go, better Chris. And you quote scripture. No. That does, not, that does not blot out your sin. Only Christ. Only Christ. I want you to think, look at that verse. It says, sins may be blotted out. You serious, Peter? That's what you're preaching at us? Yes. I guarantee souls that moment, and I pray souls tonight, were so lifted through the roof. My sins are blotted out. How do you not worship? That's what moves me to sing. I was a dead man. I was lost. Now I'm alive and now I'm found. My sins are blotted out. And then that's why it says in verse 20, times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord that he may send the Christ appointed for you. True bliss and refreshment. Remember, ignorance is not bliss, but true bliss and refreshment comes only in the presence of the Lord. Who's the Lord? Christ. 
Psalm 16, verse 11, it says this, You make known to me the path of life in your presence. There's fullness of joy, and at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. Psalm 24, but who shall ascend the hill? Who shall stand in the holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. There's, there's blessing in the presence of the Lord. The problem is how you can get in the presence of the Lord. Who here has clean hands and a pure heart? That's why Christ, he's the only one who had clean hands and a pure heart. He's the only one who lived this life, even though he was tempted in every way, just like us, the Hebrew writer says, without sin. Christ was sinless. This is why when he died on the cross for your sins and my sins, he's just and able to forgive and to cleanse and to blot out all those sins. And when you place your faith in him and you trust in him, if you trust him this evening, the word of God says, I give you the word of God. If you die tonight, you will experience refreshment forevermore, eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him, what about him? That he died for your sins and he rose on the third day. He ascended. He sits on the throne right now. He's king. That's your faith. You trust. You believe that. And you grow in that. And every book of the Bible you stop at brings you back to that message. Times of refreshing are coming. You know what I love about being a Christian? Complain all you want about today. Best days are yet to come, baby. Times of refreshment when Christ finally comes and reigns, rules. Never mind about what's happening in our little world, in our little country, with our little election and this and that. Might seem major, but in the scheme of eternity, I have a king who's coming and reigns. Times of refreshing refreshment are on the way. Only only if you're in Christ. 21, we're going to go 21 to 26. This is what we're going to see. Peter is just going to connect the dots now. He's going to connect the dots for them. Whom, have, whom heaven must receive until the time of restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophet long ago, Moses said, he's quoting Deuteronomy 18, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me. He's like, you remember that verse in Deuteronomy? From your brothers, you shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. Verse 23, and it shall be that every soul that does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed. Well, Peter's connecting the dot. Guess who that great prophet is? Jesus. 24, and all the prophets who've spoken from Samuel and those who came after him, all proclaim these days, 25, you are the sons of the prophets and the covenant of God made with your fathers, saying, Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. He's quoting scripture. If you want to know, he's quoting from Deuteronomy 18 about Moses. He's quoting from 2 Samuel 7 about Samuel, talking about the eternal throne or the king that's going to, the kingdom that's going to last forever. He's quoting Genesis 12 and 22, that the, the promises that were given to Abraham, this is all stories, history stories for them. They're like, yeah, Abraham, yeah. He's like, yeah, you remember all the promises that said, okay, you're, all, the, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed through your offspring. Well, guess who that offspring is? Jesus. He's the fulfillment of all. He's connecting the dots, what Peter's doing. 
And the hearer is supposed to hear that and be like, whoa, no way, way. He's stringing it together. He's connecting the dots. Galatians 3.16 says this, all the promises that were made to Abraham and his offspring, it does not say, and to offsprings referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring who is Christ. It all points to Christ. And then Peter finishes his sermon. He says this, God having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you, first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. By turning every one of you from your wickedness. Here's the thing. Peter connects the dots, and then he does it one more time in his sermon. He calls them to repent, calls them to Christ. This is how you and I ought to read our Bibles rightly. Some people have been asking me recently, like, oh, you know, like, and it's just such a cool conversation. I love it. They're like, oh, so I've been, how do I read my Bible? That's such a cool question. And I've been trying to encourage people and tell people, like, okay, well, however you read it, just make it your plan to read through it all. Just all of it. Whether it's cover to cover or you want to go backwards or sideways or whatever. The main thing, though, is you read it all. Peter's just giving a few dots. He could go from Genesis all the way to Malachi. And if he's really good, if Peter's really anointed, he'll connect the dots to Christ. This is how you are to read your Bible. This is how we as a church are to read the Bible. Why? Because it's only the word of Christ that saves. He's the culmination of all of these stories. It's a beautiful thing when you see it. This is not about whether or not you are a reader or not, whether you like English or not, whether you're good at your grammar or not, because I'm terrible at it all. This is about seeing the person of Christ. Tell me not, young man, when you had a crush, when you got the first crush or whatever, and if you were to stumble over your crush's diary or whatnot, <laughs> whether you're good at reading or not, you'd rip through that thing, Right? You would read that thing through and through and just tell nobody, right? You get your first love letter from someone, or I don't know how it is nowadays. You guys don't send letters. You get love text, love, love posts. I don't know how you guys do them. You just, you, and you read it. You read it again and again and again. Why? It's about the person. This is how you ought to read your Bible. It's romantic. It's lovely. It's Epic. One book, one story, one author, one main character, one hero. His name is Jesus Christ. He loves you so much that he would give you this much. Don't you love that the Bible is not just a pamphlet? Right? This is enough for you to binge how many lifetimes? Gosh, like, I don't care how many times I've read through this thing. Every single time I read through it, I realize I don't know enough. God is such a deep and weighty and marvelous God. He's worthy of worship. Remember in John 5, it says, you think that searching the scriptures that in that you have life. No, they bear witness about me. Yet you fail. You refuse to come to me. Brother, sister, if it's been a time since you've gotten alone with God, 
and his word and his presence and his spirit. And just like a little child in the arms of a father, just tell me another story. Tell me more. I want to know more. I want to know more secrets. Do you have that relationship with God, with Christ this evening? Again, this is not about being scholarly. It's about being a lover of the word. God rightly made the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119. It's a love letter. It's a love song all about the Bible. Oh, how I love your word. Oh, how I long for it. I'm praying that God would take us there. To close, just some encouragements, some application, and then we'll pray. Personally, I've been praying through this. Personally for me, and this is my suggestions for you. Well, first, if you, don't, if you haven't started reading your Bible, I would challenge you to tell someone, tell a church member, tell a believer in the house and say, I'm going to try and read my Bible, the whole thing. I'm telling you because I want you to help. <laughs> And then so as you guys start learning how to read your Bibles, share with each other what you're seeing. Talk about it. Share your quiet times, if you want to call it that, or your devotionals or whatever. Just share with each other. Share what you're reading and what you're observing and help one another now realize, okay, how does this get us to Christ? Do the work. Discuss sermon notes together. Later, when we get to Acts 17, probably in like three years, you know, um, it says, it says, um, when, when, Paul, when they were teaching, it says the Bereans were of noble character. They examined the scriptures to see if what Paul was saying was true. Because Paul is breaking it down. It's like, okay, all this connects to Jesus. And they're like, hmm, all right, we'll check them out ourselves. And they would, they would do that. That's how you got to listen. You know, some of you are, you know, you're younger in college or whatever. And you might, you might even when you, you know, if, if God calls you off of the island or whatever, you go places. This is so helpful because now when you go to other churches, you know how to listen. You know if they're dishing up steak and lobster that goes to Christ or McDonald's. Chicken nuggets that doesn't do anything. You scarf it, you feel sick after. Was good enough for the moment. That made me feel good for the moment. But I still feel dead in my sins. That's, that's, that's kind of what some churches might be serving right now. Not real meals. you got to know how to eat. This is important. I'm pleading with you like I might die. Because I don't know. Seriously, we need to get this. We want to know this. So as a church family, we all grow up. We teach our children, our children's children, how to read the Bible right, how to listen to it right, so that we as a church family, as we grow in our membership and things like that, whoever is teaching the Bible, whether it's Sunday school or Sunday sermon, we can help hold the dude accountable. Take me to Christ, man. Don't preach to me your opinions and what you think, and what you feel. Take me to Jesus. Amen? I hope and pray that you are drooling with spiritual appetite to devour the Bible. Don't be intimidated. That's God's word for you. That's your language now. If you're in Christ, you speak a new language. It's Bible. Real sound biblical bible we're gonna pray we didn't turn there but i would encourage you to check out second timothy 
I think it's chapter four, where Paul talks about there's going to be times where people are not going to want to do real, legit Bible study. It says they're not going to put up with sound doctrine. But they would rather have a teacher just tell them what their ears want to hear. And they're going to accumulate them all around them. I've been praying for our church, for us here, that we be not ignorant. We know who it is that saves, and we know who it is that we want to hear. Let's pray together, and uh, we'll fellowship the rest of the evening. Father in heaven, we love you so much, and we know that we can only love you with the love that you've given us in Christ. We love because you first loved us. All of us are ignorant. All of our eyes are blind by nature. We were born in sin. But it's only by the power of your Holy Spirit that you could open our eyes. Psalm 119, verse 18, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, to behold wondrous things out of your law. Ephesians 1.18, he prayed that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened to know the hope to which they've been called. Lord, we want to know Christ. It says in Peter's sermon that we are to repent of our sins, turn from our wickedness. God, if there is sin in our lives right now that is really keeping us from coming to you, I pray for hearts and souls in this place, myself included, we'd all repent. Repent and come to Christ. Come to me, all who are weary. I pray that we'd be tired of trying to trek it through this life without you. We pray that our church here would love the Bible and read it rightly. That we would have real, true gospel preaching and teaching and have real converts, real regeneration, true Christianity, that you would truly be glorified. And so, Lord, I pray that in this room that a hunger and thirst for righteousness would be stirred up in this place, that a love, a ferocious desire for the scriptures would just grow and grow by the second. Thank you so much for Wednesday night. Thank you for these here and those online. And we love your word, God. Keep us in love with it. And may we always search the scriptures in such a way that it brings us to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you guys.